This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your host, Senior Financial Advisor Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing 10 creative uses for life insurance. This is based on an article, Mike, that I read in the Globe and Mail by Mr. Tim Chesnick, a well-known financial advisor uh, in Canada. And I I thought uh, Tim had done a really good job just uh, looking at all the different options that you can use, just even basic life insurance. We're not talking about disability insurance or, or anything like that. We're just looking at life insurance. So the first one that he came up with was uh, providing for dependency. So in other words, providing for your dependents. This is especially important for young families. Let's say you just got married or you just had your first child. And whether it's the male or female, they should both have life insurance. The nice part about this is it's cheap to provide, particularly when you're young and you need it the most. The requirement for this type of insurance is higher when you're younger and gets lower as you get older. And fortunately, it's very much cheaper when you're younger and gets more expensive when you get older. So it really lines up with the needs. Having been in this business for over 30 years, we've seen all kinds of situations where, you know, husbands, wives have passed away with dependents. And if they've got proper life insurance in place, they're typically in a dramatically better financial situation than without. Even in my own family, I had a uh, brother-in-law who passed away at age 50, uh, leaving behind his wife and two relatively young children and needed to provide for education. They still had debt and you you need that life insurance and you need a fair bit of it. It's not just half a million dollars. You probably need a couple of million dollars of life insurance to come in to provide for all of those expenses. But again, it's term insurance. It's very cheap when you're young. It it certainly is. And so, Mike, explain the, you know, the 5, 10, 20-year term insurance. Well, when we talk about term insurance, there'll be, as you say, 5, 10, 20-year term. It means that has a set cost for that period of time. So if you buy a 10-year term insurance, they'll give you a set premium you have to pay each year for that 10 years. Once they come up to term, generally speaking, you can go and carry those on for a longer term, but at that point, they become much more expensive. And the only time you would tend to keep them in place if something medically happened to you where you couldn't get reinsured. Most people, when they take a 10-year term insurance policy, when that 10 years is up, they'll go and they'll find a policy that is another 10-year term to replace it rather than continuing at a higher premium. The next idea that Tim had for insurance was for retirement savings building. The idea here is basically you can build up a uh, funds in a tax-sheltered environment and use those funds in retirement. What are your thoughts on that? Not crazy about it. Um, honestly, we I've seen people try to use it before, and after doing this for 30 years, I've rarely seen it work out as well it does on paper in reality. So it's never been one of my favorite strategies. It is a strategy. Uh, a lot of times it gets recommended by some insurance companies, but sometimes they're limited in what they can recommend. So that becomes their retirement solution alternative. But Uh, everything I've read into it has not been that favorable. So here's how that works. It's a little different than just pure term insurance. 
it's term insurance with a savings element to it. So it's sort of got two parts. And what you're essentially doing is you're still paying for the term insurance, be it a million dollars, let's say, but you're overfunding it. You're putting more money in every year that is growing tax-free inside the policy. And then the idea is, let's say you've built up half a million dollars by the time you retire of that value, you can start to draw from that in retirement. It's it's good in theory. The problem is there's a lot of hidden costs in insurance. And sometimes the hidden costs in the insurance outweigh the tax-free advantage. And that's the one where you have to really weigh and find out if, uh, if it's going to create enough of a tax savings to justify the extra costs. I find the other thing is you really have to commit from when you buy the policy till retirement. So it's a, it's a long-term commitment. You've got to pay those premiums every year. And if you're overfunding it, that's a lot more expensive than just pure term insurance. Number three was funding for a specific purpose. Maybe it's children's education. Maybe it's to cover the end of the cost of maintaining a cottage. So I'll use my scenario. I have three children. Uh, I know all of the kids want that cottage to continue. We haven't figured out how that's going to work, but the cottage is expensive. It costs probably $50,000 a year to maintain that cottage. And uh, so the idea there is you have a policy in place specifically designed for when you die, you and your spouse pass away, that would leave a sum of money to pay the costs of the cottage on an annual basis for maybe 10, 20 years. It was funny, my, my dad is very old school and he had an insurance policy set up for each one of the daughters to pay for their wedding. <laughs> I guess that was the old, you know, you had to pay for the daughter's wedding. The sons, we were a bit, you know, left outside because we didn't matter. But he had, uh, I think at that time, a $20,000 policy set up for each uh, daughter to make sure their wedding was paid for it. For pets, we're seeing this more and more, whether it's cats or dogs, and people are leaving behind insurance money to pay for their pet to be looked after after they're gone. Yeah, it's done quite a bit right now. Uh, I, I've met with people who make sure it's taken care of inside their wills or have an insurance policy. You, you got to think about what's going to happen. Who's going to take care of those expenses? So is an important thing to think about. The next one was equalizing inheritances. What would be an example where you might need to do that? Well, let's say you have two kids. One's moved down to the U.S. and one's been in state in Canada. And you have a nice cottage and the cottage is worth a million dollars. And uh, the child that's living in Canada would obviously take over the cottage. He's been interested in it. The one that lives in the States doesn't really have that much of an interest in the cottage. But you want your estate to be equal between your two children. So sometimes you can have an insurance policy for an equal value of, let's say, that fixed asset like the cottage to make sure, yeah, the one gets the cottage and the one will get the uh, insurance asset. And I guess the way you could do something like that is it wouldn't necessarily just be a pure term policy. You get maybe a term policy that you overfund so that policy is actually growing beyond the million dollars. Yeah, and it could grow such as the cottage would grow. You could uh, set up a similar type of uh, rate of growth. So, you know, whatever they're worth now, the insurance policy will hopefully be equal to the after-tax value afterwards. Another one was paying off debts when you die. So the example here is you've got a mortgage maybe on, a, on a, a vacation property, you've got a line of credit on your personal residence, but you want to make sure those loans are paid off if you were to die. 
many times is required by institutions when you go to take a mortgage. Now, remember, we advise all our clients to avoid mortgage insurance. Mortgage, mortgage insurance is a terrible investment. Uh, you're better off taking a term policy for the term of the mortgage to cover that debt that would be on the mortgage. Because a lot of times with mortgage insurance, it's decline in balance that you're insuring, which doesn't make any sense. So you start off with a half million dollar mortgage. After a few years, it's maybe down to 400000 but you're still paying the mortgage insurance on the half million dollars. Yeah, I, I, this I particularly pay attention to because this happened to my sister. My sister, about uh, 20 years ago, her husband passed away. It was an unfortunate situation, but she was a very good saver. They bought a nice house. They had about $200,000 mortgage. When he passed away, she had mortgage insurance. So this was down in the U.S., and her mortgage was down, was down to $40,000. So instead of if she would have bought a $200,000 policy, insurance policy, she would have got the full $200,000 when her husband passed away. Instead, all they did is pay off the $40,000 $40, mortgage. So all the work they did to pay off the mortgage sort of went down the drain to the insurance company rather than coming back to themselves. A next one is covering taxes owing when you die. There's different ways to look at this, but let's look at, let's say you had, you know, some real estate other than your principal residence. Maybe it's a rental property, maybe it's a commercial property or a cottage property. And there's going to be a tax bill because that will be a capital gain if you've made a profit on that property. Not your principal residence because that's tax-free, but any other properties, if you've made a profit, you're going to have to pay some taxes. So maybe you have a life insurance policy in place to cover that tax bill. It makes sense. We have many clients that even have rental properties. And their goal is they have great rents. They've established great income from that over the years. They understand how to run it. And the idea is when they pass on to the kids, uh, their children will continue to have this income stream come from these properties. And you don't want the kids to be forced to sell this property as soon as they pass away to pay the tax bill. Many years ago, I had a client who had an industrial building, and he had a bit of a, a, a difficult relationship with his two children, but he had this commercial property that was worth half a million dollars, but it had about a million dollars worth of tax owing if he was to pass. He didn't want to put the building in their names. He ended up passing away unexpectedly, and the two children had to sell the building. They had no choice. They couldn't afford the tax bill on it. Another one is eliminating taxes on death. So this one is what we typically call, you know, comes into play with what, what I would say is estate tax planning. So let's say someone has a $5 million estate. Some of that money is in an RSP or a RIF. They've got some in a vacation property, and there's going to be some taxes owing when they die. Um, and, and there's going to be some probate fees when they die. So maybe on a $5 million estate, there's a million dollars in taxes owing upon death. They decide they want, they've done, they've worked hard to get to that $5 million and they want to pass that on to their beneficiaries, be it their children or family members. They go out and get a million dollar policy to cover the tax bill on death. Yeah, I've seen interest in strategy, I've seen people do in the past is when people have a strong pension plan or a strong income coming from other sources, many times they've taken the money they're forced to take out of the RIF. And they say, you know, I'm taking that money out of my RIF every year. I don't need it for anything. And they put it into some type of whole life or universal life policy to fund that over time. 
And they basically go, they do have to pay tax on the way out. They have to go through that tax wall, but they're forced to do that anyway, because that's their minimum, right? And once it goes through that, then they can get into a uh, some type of insurance policy, which will provide tax-free growth. So it's not a bad way. It also, also avoids probate fees too. So if you leave life insurance, you don't have to pay probate on any of those assets. So that saves you in Ontario 1.5%. Yeah, plus the tax-free growth is... Uh, Not a bad strategy. The next one comes donating to charity. So let's use an example. You know, I'm I'm a cancer survivor. Princess Margaret played a major role in helping me get to where I am today. I have in my will a plan to leave money to Princess Margaret Hospital. I can buy an insurance policy that can be donated upon death. That makes a lot of sense. And again, you have two choices. If it's donated upon death, it will reduce your taxes on your estate because it will be a charitable donation of your estate. More complex uh, strategy is sometimes people make it an irrevocable beneficiary, and then you can actually deduct the premiums as you put them in because it's going to be guaranteed to go to the charity. So uh, there's a few different ways to do that, but they work well. Next is funding a buy-sell agreement. So you and I are business partners. We haven't had many arguments over the last 30 years. We've had a few, but none that have been too heated. I think we had one day, one time where we didn't talk to each other for a couple of days, but that was about it. Yep. But let's say something happened and one of us wanted to, to take over the business completely, wanted the other partner out. You probably couldn't afford to do it. The other thing that could happen is what if something happened to myself? Could you afford to buy the, the business from the survivors, from my beneficiaries. So you can have an insurance policy in place to make sure there's enough money to buy the other partner out if something was to happen. Because generally speaking, what you run into is cash flow issues, right? When you have a business that's, uh, that's valued at a certain time uh, multiple of its cash flow, it's, you're not going to be able to buy that out in a year. You know, it would take you 10 years to buy out that business. So you're pre-funding the necessity to buy this out at some point in the future. And that way you make it affordable from a cash flow point of view. I think the interesting thing about all these types of insurance is they're better to buy when you're young. Yep. You know, if you keep putting that insurance decision off, the cost becomes insurmountable in some cases. The other risk is that you can reach a point, you know, somewhere north of age 40 where you're not insurable anymore because of something that's happened. I'm not insurable anymore. Yeah, many times you can be healthy and not insurable. Everyone thinks the insurance companies are fair. Remember, the insurance companies get to choose who they insure. It doesn't matter if you think you're insurable, you think you're healthy and going to live forever. The insurance company has 100% right to deny you at any time. We've had a lot of clients come in for insurance and we're assuming that they're going to be, you know, that they rank the uh, lifestyles from one to five and we think they're going to be, oh, pretty normal lifestyle three. And they come in and know they've got a, they got a poor lifestyle. They thought they had a good lifestyle, but they've got a family history of dying earlier or diabetes or whatever it may be. And so all of those play a role in the price of insurance. Another one would be providing key personnel protection. And, and so that one's a little different, but let's say you had a key person in the business and you want to make sure if that person passes away that the company is going to receive enough money that they can replace that person. That's when you know you're an important employee. <laughs> 
when someone's willing to take out a life insurance policy on you. So life insurance, it's not just to provide necessarily for your beneficiary. There's lots of different uses that make sense depending on a person's individual situation. I think the problem is most people consider life insurance a bad word. No one wants to talk about it. And there's a lot of negativity built around life insurance and the idea of it. And when you look at all these different reasons, you know, valid, proper reasons to use life insurance, it's really a good thing to have in place or a good thing to look at. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.